All right. Good morning. Yeah, it's still morning. All right. Well, welcome, Pillar Church. It's good to be back. Um, wife and I were away a couple of weeks, and so it's good to be back with everyone, um, with our church family, which is actually what we're going to talk about today. Um, well, my name is Marta Shea Gaston. I'm one of the elders here at Pillar Church. Um, and it's crazy because it's the first time I've said that while I'm preaching because uh, I was just a member prior to that. Um, and so normally at Pillar, when we preach, we go through a book of the Bible and, um, you know, we preach through that until we finish the whole book um, because, you know, we believe that every single book in the Bible is uh, relevant and important. And so we try to go through uh, whole books and preach through them. But every now and then we will pause and take some breaks and do some more topical sermons. And so that's what we're doing this week. Uh, so I'm preaching part three of a six-week series that we've been doing called this, The Six Basics. And so these six basics are um, the six basics of discipleship for the growing Christian. And if you're a member here at Pillar, you should be a little bit familiar with them um, because they are all in our membership booklet. So the six, book, the six basics are part of our membership booklet. They're in there. And if you remember, two weeks ago, Pastor Canaan, he preached on enjoying God. And don't judge me, but the one thing I remember from that sermon, if you remember, he talked about enjoying a warm oatmeal cookie. And, you know, I love sweets, so that's probably why that stuck out to me. And he was just saying, you know, how in the little things we can enjoy God. You know, you see the nature and the heavens and just the handiwork of God. And, you know, for me, it's like, yeah, definitely every time I eat oatmeal cookie, I want to thank God for that. So, um, and then last week, he preached on a regular repentance and the importance of that, right? And that's because every single one of us in here, including me and every one of your pastors, we're all sinners, right? And so we are going to sin. And so repentance is something that we need to be doing regularly, every day, often, right? There's not a single person in here who can say, oh, I don't need to repent. You know, I don't need to say sorry for anything, right? Because we are all constantly sinning, right? Whether actively or, um, you know, intentionally or accidentally in our thoughts, in our motives, right? Um, and a lot of times it's not things that we, that anyone is going to see outwardly, you know, but we all know what's in our heart. And so repentance has to be a regular part of what we do as believers. This week we're going to talk about the Christian family. And not your biological family, but how the church should be a family. And then the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about um, bold evangelism, spiritual formation, and community engagement. So stick around for the next couple of weeks to see what those other things entail. Um, now, here's one thing with today's sermon that's uh, this topic that's different than all the other ones, right? Enjoying God, you can do that individually, right? You can enjoy God on your own, enjoy creation on your own. Um, repentance, right? You can repent on your own, you know, praying um, with God, uh, to God, on your own, repenting. Evangelism, you can go out and share the gospel with people individually. Um, spiritual formation, right? Reading your words, studying it, getting to know God, growing in your faith, you can do that individually. Community engagement, right? Going out into the neighborhoods, getting to know people, being a part of your local community, you can do that individually. Today's topic, the Christian family, is the only one that you cannot do alone, right? Because you can't be a family of one in the church, okay? And so that's what we're going to emphasize and talk about today is the Christian family. 
If you've got your Bibles, open up with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 12, verses 46 through 50. All right, again, Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 through 50. That's our text for today. We're going to start with this, but there's a lot of verses that we're going to look at today. Um, If you're writing or taking notes, um, I'm hoping to have, I should have had it today, but um, an outline of all the verses that we use today, like the cross-references, so we'll get that shared out through the week, uh, because there are a lot of verses. We're not going to read every single one of them, but I'm going to give you all of them today. Um, So this one is heavy in scripture. So lots of verses today. So we're going to start here, but we won't stay here. All right. So here's what Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 through 50 says. While he was still speaking with the crowds, his mother and brothers were standing outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, look, your brothers, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to the one who was speaking to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my my brother and sister and mother. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that we get to be here this morning to hear from your word and to see what you tell us about family and the importance of it in the context of the the church. And so God, I pray that you would use these words to stir our hearts, God, towards unity, towards our brothers and sisters in the faith, um, towards repentance, towards love, towards forgiveness, towards grace, towards patience, um, to the people that you have put around us, God, to share in this life together. Um, Help us to see that we all need each other And we can't do this life alone, God. Um, And that is why you put the church together, God, so we can have a group of believers to strengthen us, to pray with us, um, and to walk with us for the rest of our years on this earth, God. So uh, let these words penetrate our heart, convict us in areas that we need to be convicted on, um, strengthen us, um, encourage us in ways that we need. Um, Use this, God. Uh, I'm just a vessel, God. Speak and let your words come directly to your people. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right. So, we are family. Right? You guys know that song? Right? All right. I see some of y'all bopping your heads, right? As soon as I said that, right? We are family. Okay. You know the song, Sister Sledge, right? At family reunions, it's... Yeah. You said sing more? (laughs) Um, At family reunions or at different events, you know, people will play that song to emphasize family. Right. And that's, uh, you know, that is the song for that. I remember one of my schools that I worked at, they played it at the end of the year for all the faculty, you know, to show that, hey, you know, we're we're family. Right. This team of teachers, we're a family. Um, And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Now. One of the things I want us to emphasize, right, when we look at the verses that we just read, if you look at it just at face value, right, the people come to Jesus and they're like, hey, you know, your mom and your brothers, your sisters, hey, they want to talk to you. And Jesus is like, who is my mother? Who are my brothers, right? It looks like initially Jesus is like dissing his family, right? But that's not what he's doing, okay? So he's not like saying, hey, I don't care about my family, you know. Um, That's not what he's doing at all. What Jesus is actually saying is that, listen, there is a family that is even more important 
than your biological family. Right? We've all heard the phrase, blood is thicker than... Okay. Yeah. Oh, and one thing to know. Today, right, I'm going to be... You know, I think a lot of the sermons is just speaking, but today I definitely want like the, the call and response, right? I heard, you know, hear some people saying amen and things like that. I'm gonna, there's a couple of points I'm gonna tell you to, hey, look at your neighbor and do some things, right? So just, just vibe with me today, okay? Follow along with me today. Because again, we're talking about family, right? I'm gonna have you look at people today, right? I'm gonna have you do some things that may make you feel uncomfortable, but just go with me today, okay? That's what we're doing today, all right? Amen, good, thank you, thank you. That's what I need, all right? So we've all heard the phrase, blood is thicker than water. Right. But here's what Jesus is saying. Hey, my blood is even thicker than that blood. Right. And for some people, you say, ah, you know, my family really isn't as close to me as some of my friends are. Right. Because that's what that phrase means. It's like your blood, your your biological family is closer to you than like, you know, friendships. And for some people, that's not the case. You know, I know friends who have, you know, who are family, who have friends who are actually closer than their brothers and sisters and their family members. Right. But in general, that's typically the case. It's like your blood, your family, your biological family is much closer to you than other people. Okay? But here Jesus emphasizes another family that is united by his blood that's even more important than your biological family. And so that's what we're going to look at and emphasize today. Okay? So again, Jesus is not discrediting the biological family. He's just saying this family made up of his disciples People who are going to be brothers and sisters are more important. Um, And it emphasizes that even in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it for you. You can if you are able to. It says this, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. Okay, so it says, hey, do good works for everyone. You know, as Christians, yes, we should be caring for the poor and helping other people out, right? But it says, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. So again, it puts a primacy and importance on the people who belong to the family of God, right? This household of faith. Okay? And the reason for that is, it's kind of twofold. One is this. This family, this body of believers, right, that you see, these people are the ones that are supposed to help you grow closer to Jesus. Right, each and every day, right? These are the people that will pray for you, that will help you, will care for you. Okay? So that's one aspect. They will help you on this, this life. The second thing that makes this that makes this important is because this relationship, these this family members who are Christians, it's eternal. Right? Because if you have family members, your brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, mothers, fathers, children who are not Christians, that relationship ends on this earth. Right? But if you've got fellow Christians, right, who are around you, those relationships continue beyond the grave, right? We will be with these people for eternity in heaven. Amen? Yeah. And so that is why this gets the primary importance in our lives, right? So yes, we're not saying, you know, well, Marta Shea said I got to ignore my family, okay? That is not what I'm saying, okay? I can only do good things, you know, for, for the Christians, you know, my brothers and sisters in faith, you know, I got to let go of my family and my kids, you know, sorry kids, You know, no toys for you this year. I got to give all my toys to the church kids. No, it's not what I'm saying, okay? Don't do that, okay? Because, again, it says do good for all, but especially for those in the household of faith, okay? So that's what we're going to see today. Now, before we even talk about that, how does someone become a part of this family, right? Because we said this family is, gets the most importance, but how do you even join this family? Well, it's simple. Faith in Jesus, 
Okay, because I don't want to assume that that's the case, right? Because you may think, well, I'm, I'm here in this room, in this building. Remember, this building does not make you a Christian. That does not automatically make you a member of the family of God, okay? People who put their faith in Jesus, that is when you become a member of the family of God, right? There was this popular phrase that says, you know, we're all God's children, right? Have you guys heard that before? Okay. It sounds really good, and it's nice, and it's, it's great, right? But it's not biblical. It's not true, okay? We are all God's creation. You know, God has made us all. He created us, but we're not all God's children, right? And you may think, man, that's kind of harsh. Well, here's what the Bible says. Um, John 1, verse 12 through 13. It says, but to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. Okay, again, but to all who did receive him, okay, to those who receive him as their savior, to those who put their faith in him, he gave the right to be children of God. So again, the Bible clearly says just because you're a human being does not mean you are a child of God. Okay, and I want to say that because again, it's really popular out in our world. People will say that we're all God's children. I remember I was talking to a guy um, at my job the other day. I had to correct him. I was like, "Well, no, that's not actually what the Bible says. We're all His creation, but the moment you put your faith in Jesus, that is when you become a child of God." Ephesians one verse five says that God has adopted us, okay, into His family. That is when we become a member of the family of God. Okay, so the moment you put your faith in Jesus, immediately you're adopted and you're a member of the family of God. You are now God's child. He is your father. Okay, and all of a sudden you now get a bunch of brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and and, and aunties. Right? For those of you who say aunt, um, I say aunt, but you know aunties and uncles and and cousins and and grandparents. Right? You get a bunch of those people the moment you put your faith in Jesus. Right? So here's what I want you guys to do. Look around, right? Look at all the people around you. Just turn around, look at everyone who's around you, right? These are your brothers. If you are a believer in Jesus, right? These are your brothers. These are your sisters, right? Even if you're not a member of this church, right? Because part of the family of God is it's every single believer, okay? So you could go on a plane and fly to Europe, right? You meet some Christian there, that's your brother, that's your sister, right? You go out to the Cayman Islands, right? You meet some Christians there, those are your brothers. Those are your sisters, right? You drive to California. You meet some Christians. Those are your brothers. Those are your sisters, okay? So, yes, specifically here at Pillar Church, the people that you're looking at, right, those are your brothers and sisters in this specific community, but every single believer is a member of the family of God, okay? So you have this huge extended family, you know, and that's why um, I remember one time I was on a plane and I sat down and I was talking to a guy and we were chatting or whatever. And then, you know, he mentioned he was a believer. I talked about I was a believer. We shared our testimony. And like we felt like this connection. And again, because, you know, we realized, man, that's, that's a brother. That's a sister. You know, we talked and chatted. And it was like really cool because all of a sudden, even though we had nothing else in common, the blood of Jesus is what united us. And that gave us all we needed to be in common. Okay. And so that's the cool thing. The moment you become a Christian, you've got this huge extended family, and I want you to know that, okay? Now, like I said before, that's what happens immediately, right? There's a title that you are given, brother, sister, the moment you put your faith in Jesus, right? But at the same time, though, just like any other relationship, 
it's not an immediate thing, right? Because just because I tell you this right now, that, hey, this person's your brother, that person's your sister, does that mean you're going to all of a sudden feel that way? All right? Is it going to automatically like, oh, man, yeah, now I love this person, I want to help them, right? Okay? No. It happens through relationship. Okay? Say that word with me. Relationships. Thank you. You guys are getting it. Good. Okay? Relationships. And there's an, a story I'm going to give you. Not a story, but um, I remember once when, um, so my grandfather, he didn't grow up with us. Um, he lived in Haiti, and then my, my parents and I, my siblings, we all uh, were living in New York. And so my grandfather lived in Haiti. He stayed there, and it wasn't until we moved to Florida that he came to live with us. So, I mean, my whole life, never met him. You know, I've heard about him, never met him. Um, and so now I'm like 20 years old-ish, and he comes to live with us now. And, you know, I remember we go to the airport, pick him up, and it's like, hey, Grandpa, you know, I give him a hug or whatever. But it was a little awkward because I was like, I don't really know this guy. You know, like I've heard about him, but I didn't grow up with him. He wasn't in the house with us, never interacted with him. Um, and so we had to develop a, you know, a relationship, right? We would sit down and hang out together, and, you know, he'd tell me stories of, you know, when my dad was a kid and, you know, how he got spankings and this and that, and, you know, all great stuff, right? Tell me all these stories of Haiti, and I was like, man, my dad did that. Um, you know, so just sharing good things and, you know, like he's caring for me, he's making all this weird food for me, and like, I mean, we just had a really good time, and that relationship grew. So I had the, he had the title of grandfather, but as we built a relationship, the longer we hung out together, the more we talked, right, then I really felt like, man, yeah, this is my grandfather, you know, because he, he automatically was by birth, right? He was my grandfather, but we built a relationship the more we spent time with each other. Right? And that, it made that relationship real for me. Okay? And so in the same way, that's how it has to be for us as Christians. Right? Yes, you've got the title of brother. You've got the title of sister. Right? But we've got to build those relationships together. And sadly, 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 that does not happen in churches too often. Okay? And, and that's our hope and prayer for Pillar Church specifically, right? Because I can't speak to other churches. I'm not a pastor at any other church. I'm the pastor of this church. And that's what I want for all of us in here, right? I really want us to think about that and to care and look out for one another. And specifically, there's a bunch of one another's in the Bible that we're going to look at today. There's actually 59 of them where these are specific commands where the Bible tells us to do something towards one another. Um, and there's a quote that this guy says. He says, you know, the purpose of the church should be to one another, one another. Okay? Because there's all these passages that tell us to love one another, care for one another. You know, uh, don't grumble with one another. Right? We're going to look at actually all of them. Not all 59, because a bunch of them repeat. Um, but we're going to look at, I think it's about 32 of them that tell us how to care and live for one another. Here's a quote from, our, from the membership booklet. Remember I told you guys that. Every single one of these things, these topics we're going to look at, comes from our booklet. So here's a quote right from our membership booklet. It says this, Christian family is not based on affinity and stage of life, but on relationships that are formed by the work of Jesus. It's a relationship based on and influenced by the gospel. In some respects, members of our Christian family are closer than people in our biological family. Being engaged in a Christian family leads you to live out the one another's of Scripture. So what are the one another's? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you that right now. Okay? So there's, like I said, there's about 59 of them. 
There are 59 commands in the Bible, all in the New Testament. Uh, the majority of them tell, tells us what we should do for one another, and then there's a few that tell us what we should not do or how we should not act towards one another. Okay, So there's positive commands. We're going to look at those first, and then we're going to look at the negative commands um, secondly. All right, so the very first one is to love one another. This one is repeated almost 16 times in the New Testament. There's almost 16 verses where it tells us to love one another, love one another deeply. So clearly this is important, right? The Bible is telling us to love one another. Um, in John 13, verse 34 is where it tells us that, that's one of the verses, right? Like I said, there's many verses that say that, but John 13, 34 tells us to love one another. So clearly this one is important, right? So it's like, well, if the Bible tells us to love one another, well, how do we do that? How are we supposed to love one another? What does that mean, right? Clearly it's more than just a feeling like, yeah, I love you, I love you. Well, we go to 1 Corinthians 13. That's how we love one another. So if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, so turn there in your Bibles because I want everybody to read it with me. We're going to look at verses 4 through 8. So 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 through 8. Now, 1 Corinthians 13, for most of us, right, whenever you think about these passages on love, if you've been in church for any amount of time, typically when do people preach this passage? Weddings, marriage, right? But this is not for married people. When Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 13, he was not thinking about a wedding sermon for people to get married to, okay? This is not just for married people. This is for every single believer, okay? This is not how husbands should love their wives or wives should love their husbands. This is how every single Christian should love their fellow Christians, okay? So here's what 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 through 8 says. And I told you to turn there, and I didn't turn there myself. All right. Uh, all right, here's what it says. Now, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to read it first, and then we're going to read it a second time a different way, all right? So here's what it says. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Okay, that's the blueprint of what love needs to look like, right? It's not this mushy, gushy, feeling, emotional thing for married people, right? This is a real, practical, how do I live my life in light of other people? How do I care for them? So I told you we're going to read this a second time, right? Here's what I want you to do this time, though, right? Everywhere you see it says love, put your name in there, okay? And we're going to read it again. And I want you guys to read it with your own name, okay? So I'm going to say Mardashay. Don't say Mardashay. You're going to say your name, okay? All right, so starting at verse 4, all right? Mardashay is patient. Mardashay is kind. Mardashay does not envy. Mardashe is not boastful. Mardashe is not arrogant. Mardashe is not rude. Mardashe is not self-seeking. Mardashe is not irritable and does not keep a record of wrongs. Mardashe finds no joy in unrighteousness but rejoices in the truth. Mardashe bears all things. Mardashe believes all things. Mardashe hopes all things. Mardashe endures all things. And Mardashe's love never ends. Now, you're reading that, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's me all the time, right? Is that what you thought? <laughs> nah, 
not at all. I'm like, man, I'm lying as I'm reading this, and I need to repent, right? We all need to repent after we just lied, um, right? But this is the goal. This is the ideal, right? And, and we need to know that because, again, if you don't know what the standard is, then how can you live, you know, have something to aim for, okay? This is the standard of love because, again, 16 times the Bible commands us to love one another, Okay? So 16 times it's telling us this is how to do this to your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay? So again, it's a tall order because we don't do this perfectly. Okay? You're going to mess up. Right? You're going to fail. Right? You're going to not be patient. Okay? You're going to not be kind sometimes. But again, that's why last week's sermon was what? What was last week's sermon? Repentance. Right? That's where that comes in. Okay? So when you're not patient, repent. Ask for forgiveness. Okay? When you're not kind, go back and repent and then continue to work towards that. Okay? So that's the first one. Okay? The Bible tells us to love one another. Here's the second one. Oh, oh, let me, before I go back to the second one. So here's why this is important. Obviously because Jesus said it, right? Anything Jesus says is important. But even more so, here's what Jesus says. In John 13, verse 35, it says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Loving, for us as Christians to love one another, it is so important that Jesus says, people will know you're a true believer, right? People will know that your faith is real by how you love each other. That's the barometer. That's how people are going to know, you know, if people see you, you know, backbiting and fighting and arguing on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter all the time, they're not going to go, man, look at these Christians. That's amazing, right? That's not what they're going to see. They're going to be like, look at these Christians. Like, they're fighting and arguing and all of that. You know, if somebody comes into here, right, and they don't see people really caring for and loving for one another, that's not going to give them this real picture of what our faith is. And that's why Jesus says, this love is so important that people will define your faith by how you love one another. Okay? So that's the first one, the first command, love one another. Second one, Romans 12.10 says to be devoted to one another. Okay? I'm going to list them off. Some of them I'll give you some more specific things on them. Um, but I'm just going to give you the verses and what it tells you. And then that way, throughout the week, my goal is I'm going to print these out. Not print them out, but um, we're going to send them out in an email to all of you guys so that way you can have them. So you'll know, hey, these are the things that we should be practicing and working on as a family of believers. Okay? So be devoted to one another care for one another, right? Invest in one another. That's Romans 12, verse 10. Romans 12, 10 also says to honor one another above yourselves, right? Lift other people up. Too often we want the glory, we want the praise, right? But the Bible says, no, we lift other people up, right? Honor other people. Give them the honor that is due to them. Respect them. Lift them up. Encourage them, okay? That's Romans 12, 10. Romans 12, 16 says live in harmony with one another, or you can think about that as peace. And it doesn't mean that, you know, there's not moments where we need to tell somebody the truth, right, in love. Um, but harmony, living in peace should be the goal, right? We should want to make peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because, again, like we said, this relationship doesn't just end here, right? This is for all of eternity. So we've got to be able to live in harmony with one another. Um, Romans 15 verse 5 says to be like-minded towards one another. Okay? And it doesn't mean we have to like the same things and want the same things, but like-minded in the things that matter, the things of the faith, right? We believe in one God, 
right? We believe in Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit, right? We should be like-minded towards the things of God, have, having the same vision and mission. And if I were to ask you guys, what's the mission, uh, what's the vision statement of Pillar Church? Let's see how many people know that. What is it? Do you guys know? Closer to? Okay, I heard it a little bit, right? Growing closer to Jesus and, and each other, right? Okay, and so that's the vision of Pillar Church, growing closer to Jesus and each other. That's what we want. We want people to grow closer to each other and closer to Jesus. And so that's the vision. That's the like-mindedness that we want everyone at Pillar Church to have, um, you know, as our church. Uh, accept one another, Romans 15, verse 7. Okay, so we want everyone here to feel comfortable, to feel welcome in this building, right? No one should feel like an outcast when they walk through these doors, right? And that's why, we, you know, we have a welcome team that tries to do our best to welcome people in. But again, every single member of this church is a part of the welcome team, right? It's not just the people who are standing outside handing out the flyers. Every single person, when you see someone new come here, welcome them in, accept them, make them feel at home and feel comfortable, okay? We accept one another, okay? Admonish one another. Romans 15, 14 tells us that. Colossians 3.16 tells us that, okay? Greet one another, care for one another. And the cool thing is, you know, I saw some of this during the pandemic, right? When people, you know, we couldn't meet together and everything was virtual and online. Well, what would happen is every time someone got sick, and even recently, you know, the church would, you know, we'd do a meal, um, uh, a meal train and somebody would send food over, like when my wife and I were sick, you know, people were dropping off groceries and sending food and doing things. I mean, these are practical ways for us to care for one another. I mean, that is a beautiful example of what the church should be doing for one another. Okay? Bear one another's burdens. Galatians 6, verse 2. We all have burdens, right? We live in this fallen, sinful world, right? There are going to be days that hurt, days that just are terrible. Right? We should be able to have people that we can talk to, that can pray for us, that can encourage us. Right? We shouldn't have to go through and hold our burdens alone. Yes, primarily, you know, Jesus tells us to cast all our burdens on him. Right? So we go to the Lord in prayer, but at the same time, we also need to go to our brothers. We should be able to go to our brothers and sisters with our burdens. Right? No one should have to struggle through life alone. Right? You have this family, like I said, We've got these brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles around us. You've got people that you need to go to or that you can go to to share your burdens with, right? But here's the thing, because I, I think it's twofold. Sometimes, you know, I think people will not go to others to share their burdens, right? They'll, they will struggle through something alone, right? And I'm like, well, how can someone pray for you if they don't know that you've got this struggle, right? right? You've got to tell someone that, Okay. And for some people, that's not easy because they've been in churches or they've been in spaces where, you know, things didn't go well. They were hurt. You know, there's definitely some church hurt. And we understand that. There are many of you in here who have those previous negative experiences with church. Okay. But please, I beg you, we would love for you here at Pillar, right, to feel comfortable, right, slowly. Right? You don't have to divulge everything immediately, but just tell us, hey, pray for me. You know, I may not want to share all the details, but there's something going on. Pray for me. Right. You can tell one of the elders, a brother or sister in the church. Find someone, even if it's just one person that you can share your burdens with, who can know the struggles that you're going through, that can talk to you, that can pray for you, that can help you, 
right? That is what this family is supposed to do, okay? We're supposed to share our burdens with one another. So please, I encourage you, do that, right? And ask. Because sometimes, you know, we'll all, hey, how are you doing today? I'm fine. Ask the second time. You sure? Right? I've had to do that a couple of times for people. Because I'll ask them, like, hey, how are you doing today? They're like, yeah, no, I'm all right. And then I'll say, are you sure? And then it's like, no, I'm not. Okay? So don't hesitate to ask a second time. Okay? Because most of us, the second or third time, we'll tell the truth. The first time, everybody's always fine. All right? We're always fine. Don't do that. Okay? We do that at work. We do that at, at, at our jobs, right? You know, we all do that. You know, the little water cooler comes, say, hey, how you doing? Yeah, it's great, good, you know, the weather's, yeah. Don't do that at church, please. Don't do that here, okay? You can do that at your job, do that out on the street, you know, the little polite uh, conversations and the I'm fine, you're fine, everybody's fine. Don't do that here, okay? Don't do that with your family, okay? You don't have to, you should not, okay? Be honest, be truthful. You know, be vulnerable, okay? These are the people that you should be. And again, like I said, I know that's not going to come easy for some of you. Like, for me, I'm an open book. I'll tell you anything. You know, my wife knows that. I'll tell you anything you want to know from birth till now, okay? I'm an open book. I got no problem sharing anything at all, all right? There's no boundary. My wife hates that. She's like, stop. You know, there's some things you got to keep to yourself, you know? And, and everybody's not like that, all right? She's back there like, ah. You know, everybody's not like that, and that's okay, okay? You don't need to be super out there all the time initially. But again, even if it's just one person, right, that you really trust in the church, in the body, that knows you and that can call you and say, hey, what's going on, right? How can I help you? How can I pray for you, right? At least one. That should be the goal, at least one person, okay? Because it doesn't have to be everyone, but at least one. Okay, so um, bear each other's burdens. Uh, be patient with one another. Ephesians 4, verse 2 tells that. Colossians 3, verse 13 tells us that. Um, and, you know, we read that in 1 Corinthians as well, right? Be patient with one another. You know, I think the Bible has to tell us that over and over again because we're not patient people, okay? Um, most of us are not patient, you know? Some people have a great gift of patience, right? But for most people, that's not the case, right? We're impatient. We want it our way or the highway, right? Especially with our current culture, right? You know, back in the day when you mailed something or when you bought something online, it took forever to get to your house, right? Now you can get stuff from Amazon in same day even, you know, even overnight, right? First it was two-day delivery, now it's like same day and it's like within a couple of hours. And soon there'll be drones flying and bringing you stuff like, you know, in 10 seconds, right? That's coming, for real. And so our culture is not helping us to be patient, right? Back in the day, right, you had to watch a show, you had to wait a whole week to finish that episode. Right? Now you don't have to do that. You go on Netflix, you go watch a whole, you know, one-year series in a night. Right? We are not patient people, okay? Uh, our culture is teaching us to be impatient. But we have to be patient with people. That's fine. You know, if you don't want to be patient with the show, that's okay. But with people, we've got to be patient with each other. And the Bible is constantly telling us that, okay? And the reason that is is because people are going to give us reasons to not be to not feel patient, okay? They're gonna give us reasons to wanna be impatient, okay? People are gonna step on your toes, they're gonna step on your nerves and, and do some things that, that bug you. But the Bible is like, listen, we've gotta love and care and be patient with one another, okay? Here's another big one. Speak the truth and love to one another. Ephesians 4, 15 and 25, right? We've got to be honest with each other. Like I said before, we can fake the funk at work, we can fake it on the job, but don't do that here with your brothers and sisters. Be honest. 
And, you know, I'll give you an example. There's a brother who recently, um, he told me something that, you know, that I said that kind of hurt him, you know, and I was grateful for that, you know, because I needed to hear that. And so, you know, and I was like, man, I'm thankful that you told me that, you know, and even in our, in our discipleship group, you know, brothers are being honest about things that they're struggling with and, um, you know, they're not faking it. They're like, hey, guys, this is something I'm struggling with. Pray for me. You know, this is something I need help with. Pray for me. You know, and I think that's a really great example of what our faith, our family should look like. We've got to be able to speak the truth in love, right? Some people love speaking the truth, right? They will tell you the truth without a problem. It's like, you know, I'm going to tell you how, you know, like that. But the Bible says in love, okay, in love, right? Some people love speaking the truth. They got no problem telling you off, okay? But they forget that second part, in love, okay? Gently, care, right? Because this is your family, right? So we got to speak the truth in love, okay? And some people want to love, right? They'll love you all day, but they don't want to speak the truth to you. That doesn't help you either, right? We don't want to fake things and act like, oh, yeah, you know, everything's good. You know, oh, that was okay. You know, what you did last week, that was okay. Anyway, and it, yet it really bothered them. So be honest with people, okay? Again, this is family. This is where we've got to work things out in the family amongst each other. Be kind and compassionate to one another, Ephesians 4.32. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, okay, Ephesians 5.19. And this one's important because I think as believers, you know, our conversation should be different than it is, you know, with our coworkers and friends outside, right? Because we've got to be able to speak to each other and point people back to what unites us, which is God's word, right, the gospel, right? Because we all need that in our lives, right? I need you to tell me, hey, you know, the Bible says this, or, you know, well, when you, when you spoke these words, or when you said this, or just giving people encouraging words. When um, Pastor Eric was up here talking about from Psalm 146, and he was like, you know, it says, hallelujah, you know, my soul, right? We need to be pointing people back to God's word um, for things that they need, for encouragement, for admonishment, for correction, right? That's what God's word is. But again, we've got to know that for ourselves, and that's what the first week when uh, Pastor Canaan was talking about enjoying God, we've got to know God for ourselves so that way we can have something to share with our brothers and sisters to encourage them with, you know, something from the Bible, from, you know, something that we've read during the week. It's like, man, brothers, I was reading this, and, you know, it really encouraged me, or it made me think about X, Y, Z, or whatever. Or as you're talking about a situation with family, and, you know, a brother sharing with you, like, man, you know, this, something happened over the week with my wife, and this happened, you're like, well, you know, the Bible tells you to, to, to honor her, to respect her, you know, so you got to do this and that. So we've got to be able to have that language of God's word with each other, okay? Because, again, our speech and our conversations should be different. Yes, we talk about the cowboy game, you know? Yes, we talk about, you know, the weather. Yes, we talk about work, and we talk about our investments and all that stuff. But, again, what unites us is God's word and our faith, and so the gospel should be intertwined and dispersed in all those little conversations, you know, uh, within those ways. Okay. Um, look to the interest of one another. Kind of talked about that. Philippians 2 verse 4. Um, consider others better than yourselves. Serve one another. Galatians 5 13. Okay. And I think this one is important as well because our job as believers is, um, again, not to look out for our own interests, but the interest of others. So we want to serve. We want to be people that will care for one another. And Part of this, the serving one another, why this is important is because it requires a word that starts with an S, sacrifice. 
right? Too often, we don't want to make the sacrifice of our time, our money, um, to care for our brothers and sisters. And that's what we have to do. It requires sacrifice. Every single thing in this list, right, it requires us to sacrifice something to invest in that, right? Because any relationship requires time. There's no way to build a relationship outside of time, right? Um, because we've got to make sure we make time for our brothers and sisters. I'm going to list off the rest of them because there are so many. Like I said, we're not going to have time for each one of them. But bear with one another. Teach one another. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. Exhort one another. Stir up. Provoke one another. Show hospitality to one another. I'm going to talk about that one a little bit more in a second. Um, pray for one another. James 5 verse 16, right? This is one that we all need. Um, we have Wednesday prayers at 10 a.m. We have a prayer here in the morning before church at 9 a.m., right? Prayer should be a regular, like the heartbeat of every single church, right? We need to be praying for one another, with one another, about one another, right? Um, in your mind, I don't know if you guys like have prayer lists or things that you pray for on a regular basis, right? You should have the names of um, members and, and issues and things so that way you can Pray for this person, you know, when we send out uh, text messages and um, things on the app, you know, have a list or just things in mind that you can pray for for your brothers and sisters. Even if you don't know of anything to pray for specifically, just regularly lift up Pillar Church, lift up your brothers and sisters like, Lord, you know, pray for just whoever comes to your mind, pray for them. You know, pray for their family, pray for their friends, pray for their jobs, their health, whatever it may be. Pray for your brothers and sisters every single day, okay? Do that. Make that a regular habit, okay? And then here are some of the negative commands, the things that we should not, how we should not treat one another. Do not lie to one another, Colossians 3, verse 9. Stop passing judgment on one another, Romans 14, 13, right? Don't be conceited provoking or envying each other. Do not slander one another. Don't grumble against each other. Okay, and all those things, again, if we're loving each other, being patient, being kind, it'll weed these things out. But again, it specifically tells us to not do these things towards one another. Why? Because these are your brothers. These are your sisters. Um, and I want to go back to one, the show hospitality to one another. I think this is a big one because Part of, like I said, it's a relationship, right? The only way you're going to grow a relationship is time and proximity, right? We've got to have time with one another. We've got to be around each other, right? And I think that's one thing where, you know, when the pandemic hit and COVID shut down a lot of churches, this is where you saw whether people really had relationships, right? Because for some people, church meant the building. So once the building was taken away, they now lost their church, right? But if you had relationships with people, well, it didn't matter if you weren't coming to the building anymore. You were still calling people. You were still texting people. You know, we could still FaceTime and be like, hey, man, how you doing? Checking in on you, right? You would still go to people's door. I remember we had people drive their cars to our house, and we, you know, we'd wave at them you know, from, the, from our house and be like, hey, how you doing? You know, things like that. But again, but if the building was your church, well, the moment we couldn't meet together, you lost your church, Right? But the building is not the church. The church is what? Us. Somebody said us. Thank you. Us. Yes, we are the church. Every single individual member is the church. So it doesn't matter if we can't come here anymore, right? 
Because for a while we were meeting out at a field. For a while we were meeting at a warehouse, right? For a while we were doing it just virtually on YouTube Live, right? We are the church that individual members, right? You guys, us, we are the church. So it doesn't matter if we can't meet, if tomorrow the government said, you know, churches are banned, we can't meet anymore, okay? What happens? Does, is there no more church anymore? All right, are we all of a sudden just going to stop doing the things and caring for, right? We can still do every single one of these things if we don't meet here, right? We can still do every single one of those things if we are not meeting here. You can still care for one another. You can still pray for one another. We can still forgive um, and love um, and admonish and encourage one another, right? Especially now with technology, right? We can still see each other by the grace of God through the beauty of technology. I can still see you on a FaceTime call. Yes, it is not the same as being in the physical presence of someone. But again, through technology, it doesn't limit us if all of a sudden things got shut down and we had to go virtual again, okay? Because the people, we are the church. So we can still care for each other. We can still, um, you know, reach out and call and text and pray with each other over the phone. You know, again, I mean, we were doing that a lot when everything got shut down, just calling people and praying for people, you know? Those are the things that help to unite us and build that relationship. But what does it require? Time. Okay? How many of us, you know, and Pastor Canaan mentioned that in his sermon a couple of weeks ago, right? We fill up our calendar with so many things that we don't have time or we don't make time for people. Okay? And again, I'm putting myself in that category as well because I know that too often, you know, I am not making the time to reach out to call, to text, to check in on brothers and sisters, say, hey, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? You know, or stopping by someone's house and dropping off a letter or, you know, just doing something to keep the relationship with our brothers and sisters. Like, we have to do that. And again, it takes a sacrifice. And it's every single one of us. It's not just the elders. Every single member, you know, we all play a role in that, right? Because if someone feels left out in this church, Right? That's a disservice. You know, we're not doing what we need to do. And so, in conclusion, right, we do all of this because we are one body. In a, in a sense, we are members of one another. We do all the one another's because we are members of one another. Right? That's what Romans 12, verse 5 tells us. Ephesians 4, 25 tells us is that we are one. The Bible tells us we are one body. Right? This should be a united body of Jesus Christ. These believers, every single one of us, were one body. The Bible tells us that you know, the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you, or the, you know, the toe tells the eye, I don't need you. Right? We all need each other. We all play a role here in this church. Okay? You've got a role to play. 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 We all need each other's gifts and abilities and talents right, to work together to encourage each other for the greater good of the body. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25 through 27 says this, So that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. So that's why we do meal trains when someone is sick or just had a baby. That's why we have food together after church sometimes. 
That's why we have discipleship groups so, so people can get to know each other and practice and live out the one another's. Okay, we've got to invest time in each other. All these things are intended to help us to love and care for one another because if we're truly going to be brothers and sisters and it'd be just more than a title, right? Brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, right? If it's gonna be more than just a title, we've gotta invest the time to build those relationships. Just like I had to build that relationship with my grandfather, we've gotta build a relationship with each other here in this building, okay? So I wanna challenge every single person in here, right? If you are someone in here and you feel alone, because I guarantee you there are people here who I'm saying all of this and they're like, I don't feel that. You know, I don't feel the family, right? So if you feel that way, I would encourage you in your own way, reach out, right? Maybe you haven't made the effort. Maybe you come here and you just leave and you go home on Sundays and that's all you do, right? Reach out to someone. Okay, like I said, even if it's just one person, join a discipleship group, okay? Because a lot of people have found, you know, community or um, friendship through joining, a, you know, one of our small groups, the discipleship group that we have. You can go on our website. There's several groups that you can join. They meet at different days, different times. Um, find a group. Join one, okay, if you're not plugged into one already. Um, again, today, grab somebody and say, hey, you know, I know your name kind of. Can we talk? I need, you know, my one person, right? Um, just do that. Reach out. For the rest of us, if you feel like, hey, you know, I've got a community, I feel connected, right? I know some people in the church, I've got some relationships, right? Then be on the lookout for those people who, you know, may be on the fringes, right? Because again, I guarantee you, even in this church, there are people who feel like that. So reach out, check in on your brothers and sisters. Say, hey, how are you doing? You know, if you see someone, you know, we've talked about that before. If you see someone sitting alone, sit next to them, reach out to them. Because I think by default, a lot of times, we just go with the norm, right? We stick to the people that we always talk to, right? The same six people we talk to every single Sunday, that's what we'll talk to, right? We'll come here, talk to that same person. We'll go, we'll make a beeline for this person. It's like, oh, hey, how you doing, sister, this and that? And there's some people that you never meet, you never get to talk to. Don't do that. This church is small enough that we could all get to know each other, right? This is not some huge mega church. This is a very small church plant. There are a limited number of people here, so we could be able, you know, each of us could get to know every single member of this church. There's not that many of us. Look around, right? It wouldn't take you long to get to know each person's name. And again, maybe you've known this person, you feel embarrassed, like, I should know their name. I see them every Sunday, you know, don't be embarrassed, right? And, and I was convicted of that because two weeks ago, there's a couple, and they came, and I was like, man, I should know their name, but I don't. And I was embarrassed to ask them for their name, but I'm going to do that today, right? So they're going to know who they are once I ask them for their names today. Um, you know, but again, don't feel embarrassed. Like I said, you know, we can, we can do pretend with other people. Don't do that with your church family, right? Let's not pray pretend. If you don't know someone's name, even if you've seen them every single Sunday, say, hey, I'm sorry, forgive me. I should your, know your name, but I don't. What is it again? Okay, do that and build that relationship. That, that shows you care, right? Because if you don't ask for their name, that shows you don't care. Right? Because I would want somebody to know my name. You would want to be known by name. Not, hey, you, how you doing? You know, right? That's not nice. Right? We like it when people call us by our name. Um, so do that. Okay? I'm going to do that today because I didn't do it a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to do that today. Right? So do that. Ask people their names. Get to know them. Um, the hospitality part that I said I was going to come back around to, have people over your house. Okay? This is one of the simplest 
ways that we build relationships. Having meals together, sitting down, even if it's not at your house, right? Maybe meet someone for coffee. Hey, what are you doing next Saturday? Like, you want to get together and, you know, just go get some coffee, get some tea, you know, grab a meal, whatever. Do that, okay? Or, like I said, have someone at your house if you feel comfortable enough. And again, your house doesn't need to be perfect and, well, I can't have people over. My house is dirty and, you know, it's a mess. Listen, let people see, you know, maybe you need to clean up a little bit, okay? Um, <laughs> But, you know, but don't feel embarrassed, right? Like, man, I gotta, everything's got to be pristine and clean. Because, again, we don't want to have a, we don't want to put up a front in front of the people, right? There are people who have come to my house and the room has been a mess. And I'm like, yeah, come, you know, I'll show you this and that, you know. Um, and, again, not like in a I don't care sort of way, but, again, people need to see our real lives, right? I've got six kids. The house is messy constantly, okay? So when you come over, my house is never going to be pristine and perfect. You know, we're going to clean up and try to make the bathroom. At least the bathroom will be clean, right? So you can have a clean bathroom, right? But, you know, but there's going to be toys here and there or whatever, right? Like, you need to see that because my life is not perfect and pristine and this and that, okay? It's a mess a lot of times, right? So we don't have to front. And I'm going to say that again. You can pretend for work. You can pretend for people on the outside. Don't pretend for your church family, right? Because my kids know me at home, right? There is no pretend, right? Because they're my family. In the same way, that should be how it is for each of us in here, right? You should know the real me. The me that's standing here should be the same me when you come to my house. It should be the same me that's in the back when we're talking, right? That's how it should be for every single one of us because that's what family is like. Family is the people that really, really knows you. And that's what I pray and hope that it becomes for the people in this church. We should all be the people that really, really know each other, okay? So can you really say that you know the people here at Pillar Church? Can you really say you know your family? Okay, if the answer is no, then I would pray that starting today, like I said, go ask somebody their name. Invite one person over this week, okay, and make that an effort every week, every two weeks, once a month, have someone new at your house get to know one person, one member of the family, so that we all get to know each other and build those relationships. Because again, like I said, these relationships will continue, not just now, but into eternity, okay? So I, I don't want you to get to heaven and be like, oh yeah, you were at Pillar Church, right? No, no, you should be like, hey, it's Susie from, you know, from Pillar, right? That's what it, it should be, this joyous reunion once we all get to heaven, right? Not like this person that you kind of knew or held a grudge against, right? That should not be the case, right? We should all joyously go to heaven and meet each other and greet each other because we are a family from now until eternity. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Um, it's, it's challenging to every single one of us, God, because it goes against the individualistic, um, selfish desires of every single one of our hearts, God, because we want me time. We want to do our own things, God. At least I know for me it is. You know, too often I just want to be by myself alone and just, you know, watching YouTube videos. But God, help us to break free from that to seek relationships with our brothers and sisters. God, so often in the Bible, when the New Testament writers are writing, they're saying, you know, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, brothers, sisters, because that's what it should be, Lord, a family. We are a family, God. That's what you call us. That's what you tell us that we are. But Lord, we've got to make the time to build those relationships. And so I pray that starting today, God, we would hear your word and start building those relationships, Lord. We would reach out. We would 
pray for, we would talk to God, have people over and do the things, God, that would honor you and bring you glory because you tell us that people are gonna know us by the way that we love and care for one another, God. So if we're not doing that, help us to repent, seek your forgiveness, God, and to walk forward uh, making those steps towards that, Lord. So I pray that for every single member of Pillar today. Pray for the people who are here, who are visitors, and are hearing this message and, and want to be a part of that and want to feel that family, God. I pray that they would get that by getting plugged in in different ways, Lord. Um, and those who are here that are hearing this, and, and it seems weird because they're not believers and they don't know what that family should or even you know, is, pray that you would turn their hearts to you, that they would put their faith in you, Jesus, so that they would become a part of the family of God, that you would adopt them, God, and, and bring them into your family so that they would now get to enjoy a relationship with you and with other believers, Lord. And so I pray that right now in your name, Jesus. Amen.